Last episode on the Fantastic Worlds podcast. I will always find a table. He's going to charge past her and put himself in front of uh, the wolf's charge and just growl. Not the face. Ate all your your luck up. Nom, 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 nom. The speed of pink. I want a burning hands the wolf as I'm flipping over him. This is a dumbass burn, man. <laughs> She's ready. She's like, this is it. This is where you die. He grabs onto your arm, Pippa, and like lifts you up off the ground and shakes you like a dog when it has a toy, you know, shakes you. Wow, Dustin, can you just like pick one? Can you just stay with the fumbles? That's so sad. Brutal collision. So Pippa's pretty shook. She, I mean, she literally got shook. Like, otherwise, I have a wolf of my own. I have a lady with a magic fire stick. I have an amazing holy warrior. And oh yeah. And then her, and then her, like a ball of flame is just going to appear in her hand. I have me. Hey y'all, it's Pippa or Abby or whoever, because sometimes I forget the meaningful distinctions between the two. Uh, I wanted to muse for my intro a little bit on uh, something that happened last episode, which is we did not kill all of our enemies. And I just want to say how much I really enjoy that in tabletop gaming. I know that a lot of these kinds of games can usually end up being kind of a kill box. Uh, You just sort of destroy everything that gets put in your path that everything when you're a hammer looks like a nail. And so that's just kind of what you do. So I really appreciate being able to find opportunities uh, within the game to not do that and to think a little bit about how would your character feel about kind of all of this rampant murder that's been going on. I know I know that uh, Pippa's getting more hardened and more used to having to commit murder a lot. You, but it's almost always in the case of someone who's actively trying to kill her at the moment. So I think when confronted with a situation in which she was not actively being attacked, uh, being able to... And having a party full of people that, were all, that are also simil- similarly you know, good aligned and not interested in killing was kind of a, a fun moment to play with our group. And then also kind of experiencing the the conflicts that also naturally arise from that of like playing your class versus your character backstory versus your alignment versus all of these other things that Pathfinder throws in for you to add nuance and shading and guidelines and, and finding the space in between. So I just... I really enjoyed doing that. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to it. I hope that it made for some interesting podcasting. And uh, yeah, remember when you're playing your own games, sometimes you don't have to kill all the things and that's more fun. Enough of my preaching. So just a couple quick notes before we move on to episode 42. Just want to let you know our Twitch schedule for the week, Tuesday and Thursday, Jess is playing Sekiro again. And then on Wednesday, Dustin is going to continue playing Mass Effect 2, and I will be there probably to continue to mock him about choosing Broship over Femship. Disgusting. Just awful. Don't at me. Actually, please at me. I love having this ar- this uh, argument with people online about the benefits of both. Anyway, I will be attempting to push him into Miranda's arms, probably, and then also ribbing him about not being able to experience the Genesis comic. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be going on. It's going to be fantastic. Both of these wonderful events are going to be taking place at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so make sure to tune into our Twitch channel for that. Uh, And then I also just wanted to thank Alex spelled A-L-L-Y-X. It's a fabulous spelling uh, who left us a review. And I just wanted to say thank you for saying that you love us and that you think that we have good chemistry and that we role play well. We try really hard at all of those things. And we really appreciate that you appreciate us. Thank you so much. And without further ado, this is episode 42. Oh, dear to not all the meat. 
you guys are literally the day of a hitting White Throne or like seeing White Throne finally. Uh, how do your characters feel about that? Manette's not super like excited. She's like, yeah, kind of mad that <laughs> they have to go there at all. The closer they get, the like grumpier, grumpier she's getting about it because City of Evil. It's kind of a beacon of everything she hates. Uh huh. Yeah. And I sent you guys some messages. They are not nice people, the witches. Oh, my God. The stuff that they did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're horrible. Yeah, some of that stuff was fucked up. If Manette knew any of that, which I don't think she does, she would be even more pissed off right now. One witch, because she got known as the nice witch, cut off the little finger of every of the littlest child, and the other one, she got attacked and lost an eye, and so she made sure everybody's left eye went out in her region. Dustin and I were talking about this yesterday, and I was like, she pulled an anti-Odin because she did not gain any wisdom. She did the, nope. the exact opposite. <laughs> did the exact That's op- really she, good. She anti Odin. <laughs> she anti Odin. So, what about the rest of you? We know how Manette feels. I think Odessa is curious. So, when Odessa was in Waldsby and she kind of found out all of this information about her dad, I think she's still kind of like ruminating on that. Like, maybe when she gets to another city, like, she could find more information about, like, why her dad was here. Because it seems really strange that he would have been here at all and just mm-hmm. never mentioned it with how close they were. So I think there's a part of her that's just curious, but also evil city and just doesn't really want to be a part of it. <laughs> so Pippa um, grew up hearing stories about Irisen because her mother her mother traveled extensively here and unlike uh, Odessa's father did tell her a lot about it and told her a lot of stories. And so even though she knows that it's, you know, that it's, it's not a great place and it has a really awful history and that the rulers of this area are really evil, she still grew up on stories of it. And so she's actually, she's heard of White Throne and her, her mother told her stories about it. And she's really excited to see it, to actually like be able to place it and, and envision her mother there. And then to also, I have not been to White Throne as a player before, but I'm, I'm assuming that it's a, a probably a pretty impressive, beautiful city if it was made with magic and is, and is the seat for like the High Queen of Witches. It's probably gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing looking city. If it was for the fact I didn't want to walk around an evil city, mm-hmm. this city would be such a fun city to explore. As a me, I would love to explore this city. Mm-hmm. I imagine even Minette is even excited about that too. I would. I was thinking that as you said that. That's a good point. <laughs> even though she hates the evil city idea, it's hard not to appreciate something so like aesthetically gorgeous. Um, and so Pippa's really excited to see that. And then also, at heart, she's a city girl. She is so excited to reach some sort of civilization, even if it's evil civilization. She's very, like, I don't know, excited for the creature comforts and excited to see this gorgeous city and to, honestly, girl wants to go shopping. Mm, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Spend that cash. (laughs) Gotta spend that cash. We have so much built up money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen characters build up so much straight gold so early just because We just haven't been anywhere where we could spend it like this entire AP Mm -hmm. so far. (laughs) Which is great because it's forced us to save money. We're flush with cash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Abraxas? Abraxas has always been really curious about it. I'm picturing it something akin to the movies where, oh, you don't go to that house, right? It's the house you don't <laughs> go to. So, of course, everybody wants to go in. They're always curious about it. Uh, so he has that curiosity of, oh, man, that's a creepy place. But he's never been there. He, again, it's a place of stories. So he's nervous, but he really wants to see it. He doesn't really like being in big cities. He likes towns. He likes hamlets. He likes what throps. But uh, towns, so fish camp sounds cool, more his speed. But. Well, that's just because of all the fish. <laughs> well, the fish, of course. But that part, he's kind of eh. But he, the curiosity, he loves travel. So he is really curious and excited to kind of see in that respect plus he's heard that wolves turn into people 
and walk around the town and that's perfectly normal. He's never been to a town where that's okay. He's either had to be careful not to show that he could turn into a wolf or, you know, when he messes up, he's running a town with pitchforks and torches. So he finds that kind of interesting, even though the place is riddled with evil. A town where he's not necessarily, uh, Looked upon, down upon because a monster. He's I not am a, a monster. monster. <laughs> it's the place where you can do the monster mash with ease. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so when we last left our wonderful team, you saw three falconeers running off the opposite way of White Throne, with their tails behind their leg, so to speak. Uh, you guys triumphantly. Winning the day against a rather hard group of people. I think that you guys are starting to maybe feel the battles are getting a little harder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, those Fae, I mean, those Fae were the first signal. Like, the Fae, Farnip, and the other one. Tyndall Crack. <laughs> Tyndall Crack. <laughs> Pogo showed up on Manette's Spear. Yeah, and she just didn't even know how to deal with that. She didn't make a deal of it. She was just like, they freaked out when I mentioned it the first time, and now I can freak out about it, but it doesn't seem to have any effect, so. Why are you so scared? I'm just a disciple of Kepri. You should love me. It's not fear! And she yells that into the silence, but... Certainly, everybody around her is just like, why did you just yell, it's not fear? Yeah, Adessa, like, <laughs> pops her head out of the snow and is like, what? Uh, I, I love that Adessa is actually just lying in the snow now. She's she, made her piece of snow. It's her defeat posture. Just fuck it. I'm, I live here now. Uh, at the same time, I imagine Abraxas is looking over at Nadia as she lustfully skins this large white wolf. Uh, yes, I dirty, believe my reaction was dirty. no. <laughs> and yeah, I'm gonna charge over there. Sounds about right. What are you doing? She sees you, and then like all of a sudden, recollection comes back to her. Like, like the lust has kind of fallen from her eyes, and she's like, "Oh, oh, I should have told you first." Um, wolves. I'm sure you know this, but wolves that have blue and white eyes, their pelts are magical. No. <clears throat> Blue and white. I didn't see its eyes. Yes, and I and I have a cousin that can eat humans' brains and cast magic after he does it. I myself use a negative energy left after a fallen foe to heal my wounds. You don't see me eating any of your fallen species. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sorry. I... She puts her head down in shame. She's it's... like, I'm sorry, but... We, we need every tactical advantage, and I just was thinking this would be so helpful. And she begins to tell you, basically, what what this does is create what's called a rhyme pelt. Oh, it makes rhyme pelts? The snow-white fur pelt of a winter wolf can be worn over the shoulders as a cloak. The pelt functions as furs, granting the wearer a plus two bonus on fortitude saves to resist cold weather. The wearer, as a standard action, transforms into a large winter wolf as if using beast-shaped boar. In certain special locations where winter wolves have the ability to take human form, such as the Howlings District of White Throne or the town of Red Tooth, mm -hmm. the wearer of the rhyme pelt in wolf form can take human form as winter wolves do, appearing as a white-haired, blue-eyed human. In either wolf or human form, the wearer of the rhyme pelt smells like a winter wolf to, to other winter wolves and creatures with the scent ability. When the wearer returns to his normal form, or after two hours have elapsed, the rhyme pelt becomes a mundane winter wolf pelt. Very rarely, a properly skinned winter wolf pelt manifests the properties of a rhyme pelt without requiring additional enchantment. A winter wolf whose pelt has such potential usually manifests some telltale physical attributes, such as a heterochromatic eyes. Creating a rhyme pelt from such a rare creature requires a successful DC 25 profession hunter or survival check. That's the reason why she was so mm -hmm. lustfully looking at this. This is a very rare item. In, in any career, there's that pinnacle of like yep. your career. This is a mm -hmm. pinnacle item for her. This is something she will remember for the rest of her life. He had already started to calm down. He's not comfortable. To, That's fine, Naughty. I, I didn't mean to raise my voice. Just, you're right. Uh, do what you have to do. And he's, he's gonna 
stump off as far away as he can. He's not even going to look at that direction. He's not going to pretend it doesn't bother him. You know, that a wolf is getting skinned 300 yards away. So I think he's just going to kind of cross his arm and just kind of just focus in on on the landscape, which unlike Odessa, he thinks it's, I mean, he, he enjoys it. He thinks it's beautiful. So he's just going to take in the landscape while that's happening behind him. Uh, Pippa's going to use prestidigitation to just kind of muffle any noises associated with it. Oh. Like, so that he can stare in peace. Poco looks over to Abraxas. He's like, I think your friend over there needs some help. I was going to say, I, I honestly think Manette would be the one to go talk to him. Regardless of what Pogo says, I think as Minette is already walking over as Pogo says that, and um, she kneels down next to him and says, are you all right, my friend? Um, I'll be fine. We, we all have to do what we have to do. I think both of us, Manette, uh, I'm sure we've done things that we've had to do for our respective the powers we answer to. She has tears in the corner of her eyes and she says, that doesn't mean that it feels okay. Things can still be hard. I haven't been home in a long time. It's unsettling having my brethren as foes, but I'm close to home, but it just seems so far away. But uh, it's important that you all are safe. So as long as you're safe, I think this will help us. Do you think uh, Braxis would um, has maybe forgotten about how brutal Irisen is being out in like other nations for so many months? I think so. Only I'm thinking back to his background where he didn't know werewolves were basically, you know, what, 99% of them? They're, um, they're like a monster race and they are brutal. They're they revel in carnage they can't control themselves and they're e- they're evil aligned and they align themselves with evil creatures but that wasn't his that's how he wasn't raised so when he first ran into that i think growing up as uh, a teenager um that you know his reception people's receptions to werewolf wasn't positive where he realized oh we we're different and to a lot of people that's not a good thing and then again, his, you know, his, his family interacts with each other. So cousins of other packs, you know, he's used to seeing them to him there. You know, they hunt together, they play together, you know, they have feast either in human form, they have feast in animal form. And that's kind of his interaction. And, and as part of, I think, his travels, you know, he has had dealings with other werewolves. He has had dealings with uh wolves whether he needed to back them off because they wanted to attack either where he's he was either using diplomacy or intimidation or running into i mean their first interaction with the winter wolf he knew you know these people these wolves work for the witches i mean um you know thor was captured i'm sure it was a a a person but it could easily been a person accompanied by a winter wolf uh you know under the orders to get her it's just their he did forget. He knows the world's unforgiving, and that's part of his druid training, where I don't think it gets to him very often, where, you know what, yes, the world is a cruel place. You know, the spider's going to eat the fly, or that forest fire is going to burn. It doesn't going to distinguish between it's a, a good line person, a small child, uh, and the fire is going to cut through them all the same, and he's used to that, but... This is he's he's this is the closest to home he's been in a while and he's been away from his family a long time and now his interactions are just you know charging at wolves the first minute he gets because he knows you know if he didn't step in front of the wolf that wolf was going to tear into to Abby and he's d- yeah. and these are moves he's familiar with they're not doing anything oh gosh he's shaking it's like no he, he's done that when he's either been in fights um um to preserve his life or to go after somebody with you know murderous intent is he does that he go, he knows how to trip people he knows how to shake people he knows to go to the throat that's kind of his world but he knew the kind of damage that wolf would do and now he's protecting his own and um but yeah i think it is dawning on him that he's going to be now in a position where wolves are going to be skinned in front of him to help 
the group progress as safely as they can. I mean, they're not even in White Throne, and he's seen this kind of kind of shaking him to the core. Well, he hasn't. He's. They're not even into the like the heart of evil yet. Well, and it isn't the first time he's faced this brutality either, because he found the red carpet in the Pale Tower was wolfskin, mm-hmm. and that's technically wolves that should be aligned with uh, witches. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think it's just this moment got to him. He's been again not putting on a brave face. It's not foreign to him. I think this is just the first time it's hit him as hard as it has. Yeah. It's almost like it just she was sort of putting it off his reaction because he knew it was going to be so strong. You know, like he was sort of repressing it almost, right? Yeah, because I think yeah, their first attraction the what the the um Orm Orm was getting attacked. Mm-hmm. So uh, he appreciated Odessa kind of doing, you know, deferring, waiting, and not just immediately, but, you know, him seeing Orm in danger, it's, oh, you know, we have to go in, you know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. But, and also with this recent interaction, he's hoping that maybe they will, there will be time for diplomacy, but he's balancing that in the back of his mind with, yeah, I could try that, but what if that's going to get, you know, one of his companions injured yeah i think in this moment minute is telling him like you know what i think i think continuing forward we're going to have to play your slaves and if you need to play that up please do if anything i am your slave from now on until we reach white throne that is what Odessa and I are. I, I mean, I guess I can't speak for her, but I think that is to the benefit of our whole group. And Minette hates this idea. Minette oh. is absolutely not on board with this, but she knows that it is what has to be done. She's absolutely like dis- She's she's actually upset about it. Um, she doesn't want to ever be anyone's slave, and mm-hmm. even if it's a fake slave. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, one of just her playing domi- pretend is already demoralizing. Exactly, mm-hmm. like her gods. One of her gods' domains is freedom, and that's super Ooh. important to her. That's not yep. just. That's not just like, oh, it's my god's domain, whatever. No, like it's very important to her. There are certain parts of her worship that are very important to her, and freedom is one of them. And yeah, this is really antithetical to, to her nature. Yeah, to have to well, submit and- herself is so. Horrible. And I would say it's not even necessarily just because of her god. Her one of her values is freedom. Like yeah. if you know, if she was god of some other or her god was some other god, I think that would still be a value for her as a character. She might refuse to to follow that god anymore if it if it required her to be a, a, an enslaved person. You know, like that might t- because Minette is so deep down such a free person, such a wild person, like to, in a good way. I, I I just think this is such a, a hard blow for her to be like, well, we have to do this, but I will do it. It's just going to be hard, you know, but she, she's yeah. been in situations like this before, but she's, and she's going to give into it. I think uh, we've, we've kind of had this discussion before, but each of your characters have given up a lot for this, for this quest, this adventure um, for some of its comfort, some, for some of it, it's having to, kind of slice and dice at your values a little bit and I think that's only going to get harder as you guys move forward and I think you guys are all mentally preparing for that and this is a good example of probably one of those bigger cuts you have to make to keep moving forward she slices it up she passes her check with ease this is one thing it's like she has been preparing for this her life and but once she realized hey wait a minute I have a friend who's a wolf she it did kind of put a shadow over this goal like the <laughs> good hmm throw a guilty look hopefully hopefully adds a little gray area to what she's doing right now <laughs> anyway uh so she packs it up she gives it to Pippa to put in the bag and uh very timid like while you and Minette are talking you see two little like wrapped sandwiches peer next to you guys and you turn around and you see Nadia walk away with her head kind of bowed down because she feels really shitty. It's a good peace offering as peace offerings go. <laughs> I, I think I lost my appetite. Well, but it would be a shame for these to go to waste. So maybe just a little. <laughs> well, uh, just to keep my strength up. That's all it is. It'd be a shame to let these go to waste. <laughs> 
you continue down the trail. Uh, I think once again, you guys you probably have a snack. It's about midday. Uh, you continue the trail for, and after a while, you begin moving up this hill. As you do, you feel the temperature begins to drop significantly as this chilly breeze just buffets over all of you over and over and over again. You reach the top and you see something you never really fully understood until now. You see the magnificence of what is White Throne. Uh, Pippa, you recall a story your mom told you when you were young. Yay. Hmm? I said, yay. Please continue. I'm just really excited. I thought you said really. Uh, (laughs) No, no. I'm overjoyed. Please keep going. While at the moment, the story itself is just out of reach. uh, You do recall her telling you about the Pearl and Alabaster Palace with a large tower in the middle. So large, even far away, its grandeur would not go unnoticed. It sat on a large lake, and in the cold season, the sun would reflect off the snow and onto the tower, making it almost glow at all times during the day. Even at night, the moonlight, when it hits the snow, would reflect onto the tower and just make it glow. Uh, And behind it, you see this large city uh, with the giant blue walls cut going all the way around it. You recall her talking about all the interesting sights and smells and wonder, and you realize you are looking at it that your mother was talking about white throne this palace however it is made of ice as opposed to pearl and alabaster how do you guys all feel about finally seeing it i mean pippa's a little i mean they've had a they've had a rough day and she knows that they have a really hard road ahead of them too like she knows what the plan is she knows that she's going to be engaging in some like morally questionable behavior with regards to her friends as part of the next part of the plan and so she feels a little guilty but she also feels breathless at finally kind of beholding this place it's like something out of one of her childhood fantasies as fucked up as that is um to finally be able to look at it uh so she is a little bit blown away as you said that i was kind of thinking about the fact that there's a lot of fairy tales that as a kid you love but when you're an adult you realize they are very twisted and dark right this is like like every disney movie i've ever watched that i thought was like <laughs> perfect and amazing as a child that i've realized is horribly problematic in some ways as an adult but but this is like pippa having exactly that feeling no that was amazing uh abraxas he was looking forward to seeing it out of curiosity, but after what transpired, what he sees, even though it's, you know, beautiful, um, what he sees is a place where his dear companions are basically going to be faking being servants. And he has to be the monster that the world sees. So that settles in his stomach as he's looking at it. And I think he just chooses to look again back to the landscape, which to him is truly beautiful. So pretty. What about you two, Odessa and Manette? I think she, I think it's kind of a mixed bag for her. I think she can appreciate it for what it is. I think it's pretty. I think she's seeing it as one of those like, oh, it's so pretty. It's going to be a hell though. so i think she's probably struggling with appreciating it and is more just kind of like i just i like i can't really find a word for it i think she's starting to kind of feel removed from how pretty it is and is just kind of like settling into knowing she won't really be able to appreciate it the way she wished she could if it wasn't under these circumstances but she knows that she's going to be in these really tense, uncomfortable situations, which are like her unfavorite things. Totally her least favorite things. So <laughs> <laughs> that is her unfavorite. Unfavorite. <laughs> Most unfavorite. I think Manette had put herself past these kinds of experiences before. She's been in situations before where she's been surrounded by evil and where she has known that the ultimate goal was some sort of mission, some sort of goal. And she's in that situation now, but it's been a few years and it's been an adjustment for her to get used to just being a paladin and just get used to being like, not someone who is doing these missions that she used to do, not someone who is like focused on taking down a target 
So as she's entering this city, she's just overwhelmed by what she can't do. Ooh. By her her impotence, essentially. Like, she feels like, yeah, we're here to do this ultimate goal. Like, there's something that's going to happen at the end of this. But right now, there's so much around me that I wish I could do something about, and I can't. And I'm just... I'm stuck. It's almost like being stuck in a gelatinous cube, and the acid's just burning away <laughs> oh, at you. Oh, fuck off. Wow, way to ruin Shut a tender up, moment. <laughs> way to ruin the moment. Yeah, wow, Dustin. Because damn, Jess, that was a good line. Overwhelmed by what she can't do. Like, yeah. I feel like that's such like a good description for how a lot of us feel in, right? in any kind of situation where we're powerless to fix the problem. Like she felt for so long, like she was doing something, like she could do something. And then she, her group changed, like things happened. A lot of things happened that, you know, she's never even talked to you guys about, but that now she's in this situation where she is changing the world, but also she feels like she's not doing enough on some level and and it's a very weird conflicting feeling like she knows she has to work for the greater good right now and she knows that she is and that this is what she has been assigned currently but there's something so like antithetical to who she is in this whole situation and she's frustrated and she doesn't want to be frustrated but it's almost bringing her to tears like the fact that she's surrounded by this evil and she can't do anything. It's almost the impotence she felt when she was in, the, in town and there were those children and she couldn't perform a right to set them to rest. It's, it's almost that sort of impotence and that pain again, but she has to move past it. Sorry, I made it heavy again. <laughs> no, no, it's no, okay. No, it actually made me kind I of think say, of... I love you guys. <laughs> like, that you was too. all such, like, thoughtful, amazing shit. And then Dustin like, said something stupid and ruined it. No. <laughs> Let's edit I that out. I hope know that no, fuck off it. was playful. It was fine. <laughs> it was good. It was um, so good. I also <laughs> kind of feel like Odessa's been able... So I think up until she met you guys, Odessa's always kind of been the person who did things that nobody else really had the stomach to do because she kind of cut off a lot of her feelings and boxed them away and was like, whatever, I don't have to deal with any of this because nothing matters. And then she met you guys and like things kind of started to matter and she didn't really have to do the things that like nobody else wanted to do or nobody else had the stomach to do because most of you were willing to do those things. So I think in the back of her mind she's kind of playing out well what if I have to start being that person again like the really brutal kind of not necessarily executioner but like it's pretty that was a lot of that's pretty dark that's kind of a lot of like what she was before she met you guys was kind of executioner style brutality in a very lawful good way but regardless like that's kind of who she was and walking into an almost, you know, totally evil area, she's like, uh, I might have to step back into those shoes that I got to take off for a minute. And it was kind of nice to take them off. Yeah, and I think Odessa and I have been in such a similar situation in that, like, Minette has, for a long time, like, there was a period of time near the end of her tenure with the group she was with, where she was like, what we're doing is not right. What we're doing is not what my God intends. What we're doing is not, you know, not the right path for me. And so like, it has a similar feel, right? Like Mm -hmm. you are feeling like I've done all this dirty work. And I think our situations are a little different, but it's a similar idea. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what I like is each of you guys kind of have core strengths that really feed off each other like Pippa is kind of a playful coiful like like if any character was going to have the fo- anime fox personality that It'd would be, be Pippa, Pippa. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. An- sure. Angels is probably youthful innocence you know he yes. is hardened but he has that natural youthful innocence I think Kay is the hardest so I'm going to skip her and go to Mena <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mena is just 
goofiness. Like she yeah. is a goofy person. She is this tower of power but clumsy fun. Yeah. Even after like seeing an experience, like there are some things where she was like, now I don't trust people, but she still did on such a deep level that it's like that influenced some of her decisions. But overall, she's still much more trusting than she is not trusting. Like with the doppelganger situation, like, yes, she was less trusting there, but overall she's still more trusting than a lot of her kind, a lot of her mm-hmm. paladin kind specifically. <laughs> I think, and I think Kay is, is she knows how to cut loose. Like she play, she works hard, plays hard kind of personality. Like yeah. I was going to say, she's also kind of like an onion, you know, lots of layers. <laughs> she's totally oh my gosh, the like, Han Solo. Uh, ogres are like, like onions. <laughs> <laughs> Odessas are like onions. Odessa Aww. is Han Solo and it's amazing mm. to me. I love I actually I, kind of is. love that analogy for Odessa that she's Han Solo <laughs> in this situation. True. So I think kind of looking out at this city, she would just, I think Odessa would just kind of sink down into the snow and like, not like a defeated way, but in a like, almost sort of like meditative hmm. and just sort of sigh and look up at you guys and just, so, do you guys ever feel like you're going to walk in to this really big scene? You're in a play and you're like walking out and you're totally unprepared for it. and You don't know any of your lines. Does anyone else ever feel that way? Because it's kind of how I feel about my life right now. I've had that nightmare a few times. I think before anything else is said, Manette like, isn't even saying anything. She just is gripping Odessa's arm and like leaning her forehead against Odessa's forehead in she's commiserating with Odessa here and she's like I know how you feel walking into this place believe me I do and she's just staying silent other than that but she needs to sort of show her that sign of physical the love language (laughs) the love language yeah Manette's love language is very physical and she's Mm -hmm. just like physically showing you I'm here for you and I commiserate with what you're going through because very clearly this is going to be hard for Manette (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know in a strange way I feel like I've been preparing for this all my life you know I I kind of I understand that in some regards i and she she heaves like a really really heavy sigh and just kind of shakes her head i just i haven't really you know talked about it a lot because i'm sure this is really gonna surprise you guys like is really gonna blow your minds um I don't really like to talk about myself or like my feelings or anything. I know. <laughs> Pippa just gives like the most exaggerated gasp. Manette <laughs> looks like side glances at Abraxas and just like <laughs> she's just <laughs> grinning. She's not saying anything. She's just like, eh? <laughs> suppose now that you mention Funny. it. <clears throat> yeah. I've known you for a few months now. That's really not a surprise. I've been trying to drag your history out of you for a long time. And I've only just started making progress these past two weeks. <laughs> Odessa kind of chuckles. I mean, it's, it's you guys are you guys are making it out to be way okay, maybe you're not. But it's you know what, it's fine. Um so before I met you, Pippa, I had mentioned before that I worked at a brothel, and that's it, right? Did I, did, did I ever fill you guys in much more than that? Because I kind of feel like it didn't. And she just kind of looks around. I don't I don't recall. I know some. No, Manette is shaking her head. <laughs> so um, at this brothel, I had kind of stumbled upon it in my travels after I ran away from home, and... It was kind of serendipitous. I met, as as I do, I met a girl in town, and she was really nice. And we went back to her place, as I do. And she worked at this brothel. And I stayed there, like, a week and got ready to leave. But she kind of just convinced me not to. So I stayed, and I got a job. 
And at first I was just the bartender, which again, I'm sure surprises no one because drinks are kind of my thing. But then I noticed that there was sort of a ongoing criminal element uh, around that area and that they would come into the brothel and harass some of the girls and just sort of cause problems in the neighborhood, which I didn't much care for because I have very little patience for that, which I'm, again, sure you guys noticed. So the mistress, madame, and I went to her one day and just flew the idea by her that we sort of do something about it. And it took some convincing, but eventually I got her to kind of come around to the idea of, uh, Pippa, you might actually know this term. Uh, we kind of turned it into what you might call a, uh, honeypot. Oh, honey. I don't know if Minette or Braxis knows what that means, but basically we would bring people in. <laughs> we found out they were looks at Minette laughter <laughs> uh we'll talk listen i have a lot to tell you <laughs> all right well uh, i've been the honey pot before let me just put it that way all right well <laughs> then i don't have to explain it to well, you this is getting Abraxas, if you convince men to come into a place where there's a lot of women if they're criminals and they come in you just kind of do away with with them and whatever you know means ah. necessary if they're bad specifically invite a, if they're bad and the spider inviting the fly into the pot yeah get all your hotties together and yep. then lure the men in mm -hmm. it's, yeah very effective <laughs> it is very effective but in that situation i was kind of the only one with any sort of combative training so when it kind of came down to oh we have this person what do we do I was kind of the only one with a stomach to do anything about it. So that kind of fell to me. And looking at White Throne, I guess there's just kind of a piece of me that worries that it'll be my job to do all of the things. That has literally nothing to do with you guys because clearly you've had my back a lot up to this point. But... Odessa... We can't do anything here. And Minette just sounds like... It's not that she sounds resigned. I think she is trying to fully convey, like, this is the reality of the situation. We can't play our hand here. We are in a place where we are overwhelmed. And no matter how much you or I or any of us wants to change what is happening here. This is a city overrun by evil. We have to change the world before we can change this. And so as we enter this city, you and I have to play. We have to play subservient and nothing more. And Minette has just completely set her face. She's like ready for this. She's been in this position before. Whether she's told them that or not, I don't think she's told any of them or that before yet. Nope. She has That's been the in, first time hearing of yep, it. Yeah. yeah, same. But she's been in this position before and so like she looks a lot more ready for it than you would expect. She's just like totally face down, dejected but in a way that you can tell is fake and that it, it, it's prepared. Odessa just kind of drops her face into her hands. And I, I don't think you've ever seen her look so, like, small. Once we enter White Throne, we will have to serve a goal greater than ourselves. And that can mean feigning subservience. And that can mean faking subservience to evil but we cannot give in overall our goals are to take down Elvana and to do that we have to play this role 
We cannot give ourselves away. And Manette doesn't really have anything else to say there. she That's all she can sort of say. She hasn't talked much about what she did in her past, but ultimately she has been in these kinds of situations before. And I think maybe she'd be willing to talk to Odessa about it personally, but she's not willing to have a long conversation with everyone about like, Listen, here's all the missions I used to do in the past. <laughs> Let like, me lay my out whole... my shit. <laughs> Let me just really, <laughs> you this know. This is definitely not a time and place situation. <laughs> no, it's very serious. So Minette is kind of like, uh, we need to just get this done and get in, get out and get our intel, get our shit going. Like, this isn't the time. I, I think that. Odessa just has like such a hard time swallowing down years of abuse from her mother of like still being like quote unquote higher than other people but always lower than her and like answering to her and like whatever she wanted it's just like so traumatic and there's yeah. probably a serious level of PTSD there so I, I think she's just having such a hard time like wrapping her head around getting back into that place was this a private conversation between the no, two? No, no. It just Manette was the closest mm. one. And oh. I think Odessa's where her headspace is is she can only process the information that's being input and she can't necessarily see outside of that like her internal thoughts unless somebody else interjects something. <laughs> Yeah, that's the exact opposite of what Minette is having, which is like, oh, no, we're in mission mode right now. This is mission time. <laughs> like, uh, no more emotions. We're now in mission zone. Yeah, they're literally having the exact opposite reaction where Nets normally like, Aww. feelings, feelings. <laughs> and Odessa's like, no feelings. Now Odessa's like, oh, my God, what are all of these feelings? And Minette's like, I'm what having feelings? a lot of emotions right now. <laughs> Abraxas is going to approach and kneel closely. Um... I think he goes out to kind of reach for your hand, but pauses and then turns it around, kind of having his hand out that way you control whether, you know, you want to be touched or not. But I think he offers his hand. She she takes it. I think she sees it and out of the corner of her eye and just like instinctively because they've spent so much time like holding each other and cuddling. And like, it's just so instinctual for her to just like, Put her hand in yours. And he covers it with his other one. Odessa, I think you know I'm not the best speaker, but uh, I I don't know the person who you were. I uh, Now in the moment, I, I know the person that you are now, and you know the person that you are now, and just... Hold on to that is, I guess, uh, what I'm trying to say. And we're right here. I am right here. And he just gives your hands a squeeze. And in the back of his mind, hoping that he got all the words out that <laughs> how in his mind, you know, in his mind, hopefully came out as smoothly as he knows Pippa, you know, uh, <laughs> to be. And he's hoping that he hit that sort of mark. But again, he's not the best. So he's hoping he did. She definitely, like, squeezes your hand back and... Thank you, Abraxas. It's, uh... It, I'll be okay. I just, uh... Have a lot. I have a lot to process. And I'll be fine. We'll be fine. If nothing else, I am good at this. I just don't necessarily like this. But we'll be fine. Which is perfectly understandable. And Pippa kind of like walk, like she she also kind of walks in there. She like kind of like pats Abraxas on whatever part of him she can reach <laughs> <laughs> at her height. But like she like pats his knee a little bit as she's walking by. But she she kind of stands like close to Minette and just says, like, I want both of you to remember also that whatever happens in a few days when we get there. It's not real. We're projecting an illusion for the people that we may encounter. But this is not in any way servitude. Manette is staring down at the ground, but then she looks over at Peppa and she says, You know I know that. 
I know you do, but I wanted to make sure that it was explicitly stated before we went anywhere. When she lets her know, like, the servitude is not the problem. The problem is that, is the waiting. I've always had so much more of an immediate reaction to what I've done. My actions have always meant something so much more quickly. I know that sounds crazy. That's sometimes it, it took a few weeks as all change does, but maybe that's what made me feel like I was making a real difference. I just know that what we're doing now is going to take years to truly show its effect. That is true. And I'm scared that we're doing the wrong thing or that we'll do something wrong and we won't ever know. We won't know because it will be years from now that we'll see what happens. And all I can do is trust in us and in Kepri and I trust all of you, but that is all I can do. Good. That's all that any of us can ask of each other. I feel like this is super, like, this is very lukewarm of her. Like, this is the most lukewarm Manette has ever been. Yeah, she's being, like, downright cold for Manette. (laughs) Yeah, like, she's, she's feeling sort of, I think things are weighing on her again. And even though she's come to a point where she's feeling a lot more joyful, it's, it's still heavy. Everything is heavy, you know? There's no getting away from that. I feel like at this point, even though he normally is super, like, attached to Odessa when she's feeling this way, I think he's probably, Jim specifically, is feeling that kind of, but my my person really cares about you and even though she's upset you're also really upset but she doesn't have it in her to comfort you right now so i'm gonna be the guy to do the thing (laughs) and so he would probably like hop from her shoulder as like close to proximity your body as he could get and would just kind of crawl up and then hug whatever bit he could because he's a teddy bear and that's what they do. Yeah. And Manette is just gripping his hand and like thinking about just things are rolling around in her head. Like what happens if we make the wrong move here? or If you do the wrong thing here, but ultimately she knows this is all something she can, she's going to have to meditate away in the morning. Like she can't have these doubts, you know, she has to go into the mission with full clarity of like, I am a subservient person. That's it. That's the the mindset she's getting herself into right now. Well, I think as you guys are kind of wrapping that up, uh, mm-hmm. I think Nadia comes up and like she kept walking forward. She didn't realize you guys had stopped to talk. And so she just kept walking <laughs> and you see her and she's like at the bottom of this hill and she looks up and she's like, when did they stop? And so <laughs> you guys see her down there and she's like kind of waving you guys and you start heading down the hill. Um, and you continue heading towards towards White Throne um, with a little bit of trepidation in mind. A small river cuts across a path heading south towards the cliffs that overlook Glacier Lake. A stone bridge crosses the river, seemingly constructed with horse, wagon, and caravan traffic in mind. The bridge is well-maintained and the snow has been cleared from its span. Five-foot-high stone railings run along both sides of the bridge, topped at either end by iron spikes upon which clean and meticulously polished skulls have been carefully impaled and turned as if to observe the traffic. A white-painted signpost greets travelers as approaching from the east. This is clearly a place where Pippa should check for traps. Probably Odessa and Manette are behind at this point because we're getting closer and closer to the city. So we want to make sure nobody sees us being like too forward. Yeah, I almost feel like Odessa's walking around and just randomly kicks stuff. (laughs) Snow, rocks, tree. Yeah, we're being guards people. (laughs) Yeah, Brax is going to stick as close to Pip as he can without messing up her biz. Her biz is super good because she rolled a 23 on her trap finding perception. There is a no uh, traps. Sweet. Neatly. Interesting. 
Ooh, does it smell like fish yet? I take a big old. You do not smell fish <sighs> yet. Do I smell? Do, do I smell any evil in the air? Oh, <laughs> in the sixty-foot cone that do I'm allowed I smell to smell. Evil. You do not detect any evil. Okay, so no on the bridge. The bridge is not evil. <laughs> As Peppa's examining the bridge on the other side, you see these creatures appear out from under the bridge. Surprise, surprise. Balls. Whoa, what? Oh, man, we're going to get attacked on the bridge? I'm so surprised. Actually, they do not prepare to attack. Whoa, okay, that is a twist. You hear the first one go, papers, papers. And the second one goes, papers. And then the third one goes, papers, please. Oh, he said please. That's nice. Do we have papers? Pippa kind of elbows Abraxas. Nadia actually walks forward. She kind of motions for you guys to follow just in case something goes wrong. She's not there by herself. I'm turning hybrid form and I'm pacing her. I don't need any papers. They look at you and they take the papers. You see three large sized creatures. They appear to be almost fish-like with pale green scaled skin and large web hands and feet. On either sides of their neck are slotted gills. Uh, So Nadia passes over the documents. They're also ripped. They're, I mean, seriously, they are ripped. They are are shredded. Uh, Braxis's armor is feeling a little tight, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Wink. Oh, I forgot we have to wink out loud now. Okay. Wink. Things things are a little squishy. Abraxas has totally forgotten about Pickle. <laughs> He's like, no more Pickle. I'm all about the I'm, gill I'm man. Gonna, I'm going to ask this creature to the monster prom. Yes. I mean, honestly, they are exactly the kind of creature one would ask to a monster prom. Abraxas, you know these guys are called freshwater marrows. Oh, mm. freshwater oh, marrows. They're not gill men? But what's hilarious is you see them take the papers and they look like they're reading it very seriously, but you notice the papers are upside down. <laughs> they can't read. So they're hot, but dumb. They, 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 they're like flipping through them and they're looking on the other side and back and they head them back to Nadia and go, not in order. You pay bridge tax. How much is the bridge tax? God, why is it every time we get close to a city, there's some sort of tax, a fee? My God. He points to the smallest one. Make a great snack. He smiles. Oh, gentlemen, I assure you, I am very tough and sinewy, but we may be able to provide some kind of uh, potential snacks out of our rations. How does that sound? Roll me a diplomacy. That was the 24. What do you have? Oh, man, we have to give him food. I mean, uh, we have some delicious <laughs> Pippa, like, elbows Abraxas really hard in the thigh. <laughs> he just, he brings out meat from, like, every pocket. His pack, his side pockets, um, stuffed in his armor like the ladies put their phones. Abraxas's face is the same. I think now he's, this is where he realized that this is probably what Pippa feels when <laughs> he gives too much gold away. <laughs> And it's just giving away He's so much food. Feeling my pain. I think it makes a connection. <laughs> it bridges it. He has that empathy moment where it's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> so the, why y'all are giving him all so much meat? No, uh, no. He feels that moment now. He feels Pippa's pain for the first time. <laughs> like looking ever. back and forth, like, oh God. He's why? like, oh, why have been so careless with a coin? Or in fact, I think he does say that maybe under his breath, but enough where I think Pippa might have hurt him. Yeah, she's got sensitive ears. <laughs> oh my. I, I think I have been giving away too much coin. Ouch. <laughs> Pippa feels like a small measure of satisfaction. <laughs> small. <laughs> vast. It's a vast gulf of satisfaction. They hold their hands like probably maybe three feet up and like that, like saying how much meat they want. And you do a fine job guarding the bridge. But I think this is more than enough. It's more than reasonable to allow five travelers across. They kind of see your compliment and they blush a little bit. Like, I don't know what a fish person would do, like, look like when they flush. <laughs> maybe flush green or something. They're already green, so maybe they flush a little blue. <laughs> Greener, bluer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> flush blue. <laughs> and, uh, and then they stand aside and let you guys pass. Oh, nice. Yay, we didn't have to kill them. Good choice. It's my favorite. Good boys. Yeah, once we're at earshot, Abraxas is always impressed with that. So he's just like, well, that was just amazing. Amazing. Later, she's going to show him how much meat she still has in her pack. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, Pippa, I was just uh, getting some palpitations. <laughs> it was so much that we gave them already. I know. 
It was it was quite a blow. Uh, Abraxas, as you pass by, you do smell like a rotting body underneath the bridge, but I don't know if you if you guys investigate, it's probably just going to mean trouble. So I'm just letting you know no, that. No, we're not. No, we're good. Let's go. Probably not. We're gonna we're gonna stare straight ahead and mind our own business. <laughs> it's cruel up in the north. That body's already dead. You proceed past the bridge and soon enter a forest of leafless birch trees. And after a few hours of travel, the enormity of the city of White Throne becomes even more apparent. Nadia begins to lead you east away from the city and towards what appears to be a small shanty village on the lake. You notice that the way the city is placed amongst the cliffs, it necessitates small villages like this to fish. Uh, she takes you down the path and she begins to tell you, When my husband was just a boy, Ringer's wife and son were taken by the white witches and brought to White Throne. Ringer went to the city to rescue them. He was able to sneak into the city several times, but he never found his family and he never saw them again. My husband told me Ringer stayed near White Throne and last he heard, he was in the fish camps. I believe he will be the key to getting us in. We will need to investigate his whereabouts, though. My husband nor I have heard from him in many years. You guys journey a little farther, and you begin to see Arctic gulls fill the overcast skies with cries over the small shanty town. Uh, and Abraxas, I think this excites you because you, it means lots of fish. He loves fish. He loves fish. All, all sorts of fish. Ramshackle huts are erected on the cold ground, hard packed and barren from generations of foot traffic. Dories and other small fishing boats are moored to dilapidated piers nearby or pulled ashore on the gray pebbled beach of Glacier Lake. The pervasive smell of Yum. fish is everywhere, sometimes fresh, but often the underlying stench of centuries of decay. So I have a feeling oh, Abraxas loves it. The rest of you hate it. <laughs> right? I don't like fish in villains. This is disgusting. And he's excitedly pointing out the different fish, like the different types. And that's this kind. Adusta's pulled several rags out of her bag of rags and has tied one across her face and hands another one to Pippa and offers one to Minette. <laughs> Pippa even like takes a little of her, per like she has very little perfume left. She's almost out of her perfume that, he, that she purchased in Opara the last time she was like home. Mm -hmm. But she even dabs a, like, a small amount of her perfume onto the rag and then hands the bottle up to Odessa. <laughs> she <laughs> gladly takes like a tiny bit and rubs it onto her rag and then hands it back. And they're both just like covering their faces with these rags. Because we snotty and fancy. <laughs> Is there any vendors that already has like a couple cooked maybe like fish on a stick or anything like that or is it just a fishing village that are like gutting and it's collecting? just a basic fishing village however uh as you guys appear in the town the pemp the peasants here appear very fearful as you approach they all seem to just go into their prospective shanties and close the door the fantastic Aww. worlds podcast is a fantastic pods production Aww, come i'd on. like to I thank amy hankinson for writing our wonderful village. theme song sirenscape for use of the sound effects and music Paizo for the wonderful Reign of Winter Adventure Path and all you listeners. Until next week, I'm Dustin Alexander. You can reach any of us on Instagram at Fantastic Worlds Pod or at Fantastic Pods on Twitter. Follow any of us on Instagram For or Fantastic Twitter. Worlds you can find me at Dustin Alexander. <laughs> I'm Abby. You can find <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to do that. I was going to do a whole Batman thing, but I was going to giggle through the entire thing, so I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm Abby. You can find me at Bonanza Famine on both Twitter and the Instagrams. I do like me the Instagrams. I'm you're, you know what I'm I'm so bad about the Instagrams. Anyway, uh, Angel over here, uh, Espinoza nine one six is the handle. And this is Jess. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Hank the Clank. <laughs> the tweets. The crams. Uh, this is Kay, and you can find me on the tweets and the crams at She's the Lady Macbeth. The crams, I hate you guys so much. You can find much. me on the crams. Please remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, I'm sorry. Please remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Follow us or share on social media. If you do share, use the hashtag WorldTraveler so we can thank you for spreading the word. Your support means a huge difference. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, I hope you have many a fantastic adventures.
Oh, I'm so sorry. That just applies to humans, huh, Dustin? <laughs> Specious. Hmm. I her alignment shift. <laughs> <laughs> He's so specious. You're the Federation going around traveling to different galaxies going. Yeah, I I have no idea. (laughs) Awesome. You literally started it as I started eating a a chip and I was like, and they're super (laughs) spicy. So this whole time I've just been like. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) 